always liked San Francisco a lot. I actually really loved it. I love the fact that it's a it's a small city and it's walkable. And I love the fact that um, and I always knew this even before. If you find your tribe in this city, you are gonna rock. That was author Heather Jacks. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from artists, musicians, business owners, and other San Franciscans telling stories and trying to answer the question, what is it about this place? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13, Part 1. Heather has been working on an art book about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence as they approach their 40th year of existence. She'll talk more about the book on Thursday. In this podcast, Heather tells us what it was like growing up on Indian land in Oregon, graduating high school at 16, joining the Fundamentalist Christian Church, and how she ended up in San Francisco. Here's Heather. So, uh, some people know this, a lot of people do, a lot of people don't. I was actually raised on Indian land in the southeastern part of Oregon. Um, no electricity, no running water, um, no internet. And um, I left How there. glorious that must have been. <laughs> well, you don't know that till now. But, um, but I left there at the age of 15, and I went to Australia, and I lived there as a foreign exchange student for a year. Um, and so the reason I mention that is that I've always had this kind of gypsy, nomadic lifestyle and demeanor about me. Um, and so um, I've traveled a lot. Um, previous to being in San Francisco, I was living in New York, which was amazing. I was uh, selling. I, I'm a writer. So I was selling my books uh, on the streets of New York City. I was learning a lot. Um, and then I ended up in Los Angeles for a while. And um, I don't drive, so I haven't driven. And um, so I always had to go to places where they have great public transit. So uh, San Francisco, here I am. Um, I had actually gone to school here at USF in the 80s. Okay. So, um, so I always wanted to come back. But in the 80s, San Francisco just straight up kicked my ass and handed it back to me. I mean, I was you know, 20 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. And um. But I always thought this is a very adult city, and I want to come back here when I'm an adult. Um, in the um, interim time, I, had, uh, I also was in Sacramento, and while I was there, I, um, was, uh, I, went to, I became a fundamentalist Christian, and um, I uh, graduated from UC Davis with a master's in rhetoric and communication. And then I became a fundamentalist Christian. And when you're in a fundamentalist church, what happens is you are given a mission um, because I had a high level of education, my mission was actually what was in the Apologetics Resource Center. And what that is, is whenever there are philosophies contrary to God, um, I explain the error of their ways. That is what I do. Um, the reason I mention that is because the sisters protested our church on Easter in 1992. Okay. I was inside, they were outside, and uh, it was quite something spectacular. It was one of my first encounters. Actually, it was my second encounter with the sisters. That was in Sacramento? That was in Sacramento, California, in a Capital Christian Center. And it's actually one of their big, big, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, protests, I guess you yeah. could call it. But I was actually inside the church at that time. And, uh, was it a general protest or was there an event? It was on Easter. Oh, And it was Easter. an event. And um, yes, it was uh, an event. Um, well, it was their event. They came up to and protested. A lot of fundamentalists um, aren't really known for their, um, you know, non-judgmental attitude. Let's say that. Um, uh, subsequent to that, I actually was um, 
kicked out of the fundamentalist church and I came to Berkeley and I went to the Psychic Institute. It made sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I Natural up, progression. Yeah, of course, you know. Um, so yeah, so the very first time I met the, or heard of the sisters was back in the 80s. Um, I lived, uh, I was going to USF, as I mentioned. Um, I didn't know they were sisters at that time. Um, and I didn't know they were sisters in 1992, quite frankly. Um, but in the 80s, um, I was living on Bush and Taylor Streets. I had uh, rented a little studio apartment. It was awesome. It had the Murphy bed that came out of the wall. It scratched down the sides of the wall. That was the extent of the apartment. Um, and um, Polk Street, that was a very uh, big gay area. It was a mecca of gay you know, LGBT community at that time. And, that's, and Bush and Taylor was not far from that. So um, I, the sisters were uh, marching and having a... I guess a parade of some sort. It was in the 80s. And um, it was a on, really... On Polk Street? On Polk Street, okay. yes. And it was really interesting because um, at that time, and I wish I would have... I have the details about this, uh, uh, but I forget them now. But um, at that time, uh, a lot of the bar owners uh, and things were participating with them. And it was this really amazing community. Um, I actually had French fries with this crazy drag nun. Um, didn't know, you know anything about the sisters. Um, then subsequent 1992, I uh, met them again at the church as a fundamentalist, and um, and that's just joyous fun for all of us. And um, yeah. So there, when they were when they were protesting the church, you said you didn't know specifically who they were. No. So going back to so when I was raised on Indian land, um, I was the only I was a white kid there, and so I was really really uh, I had no friends. So I really was really really solitary experience and. and living um and so the reason i left at the age of 15 was i just wanted away from indian land i mean i so wanted i got my butt kicked every day there i um it was it was the bullying in the most extreme sense um so i really wanted out of there so i went to uh then i got sent to australia and i say sent because i had to go to an english-speaking country and there were only like two that were available at the time and Australia was one of them, and I went to the outback, which was essentially Indian land, only halfway across the globe. Um, so a theme in my own personal life has always been trying to fit in and try to find friends, and I really didn't make friends. I came back uh, from Australia, and I went to public school. It was a disaster. Um, you know, the people were doing their dances and doing things that you do at the age of 16 and 17. I was living on a sheep station and riding camels. So <laughs> right. I had no relatability, you know, it was right. really tough. And um, so I finished public school. I, at that time, it was different. Um, my principal was at Mr. Jones. It was very evident I was not a good fit for public school. So he called me in and asked me if I'd like to challenge my classes. So basically, I took a, a, a class, a test, essentially, in, in one afternoon that covered essentially four years of high school, a three-hour test. I took it, I passed. So I started college at the age of 16. That is actually why I was able to get a wow. master's by, you know, 22. Yeah. Um, so I started college at the age of 16. But again, you're 16, you're in college. Again, it's just, it's just you know, like, yeah, I, I didn't fit in. So it took me a long time to fit in. And it was actually the fundamentalist church where I finally found friends that I fit in. That is why I went to the fundamentalist church. Um, and everything you do in a fundamentalist church, um, when you belong to a church, everything you do is around the church. Every single night of your life is devoted to a church activity. All of your friends are church people. If your family is not in the church, which mine was not, you have to uh, divorce them, disown them, get rid of them. Oh, wow. Everything. So, uh, and I mean, Friday nights were single nights. Obviously, all day Sundays were church. Um, 
you had Bible studies on Tuesdays, you had apologetics on Thursdays, every single night. So, but I belonged and I really liked it. It was really the first time I had what I thought were friends. Um, subsequently, when I got kicked out of the fundamentalist church and I did get kicked out in a really unceremonious fashion, I had no friends. Because once you're, you know, out of the church, you are, you don't exist anymore. You're shunned. And yeah. um, that was your social. So, that was your social life. <laughs> yeah. Those were your people. Those were my people, and it's really why you know I'm. Um, I just really wanted to be accepted, and and those are the first friends that I found. Anyway, that's kind of my story. So it's almost like the the social aspect of it. It was what, like the the community brought you in, and then I loved and then it. all yeah. the Christian stuff was maybe secondary yeah. or. It was, yeah. um, but. I definitely, I'm going to be frank. I mean, I bought into the um, judgment, you know, these are, these are, this is my people and the, and the capital Christian is huge. It's a huge church. It has its own school. It has, it has everything of its own. It's its own little community. Um, so I definitely bought into the judgment part of it um, right. because I wanted to have friends. I mean, really and truly. So when the sisters appeared, I really have to be frank with you. I was on that boat of exactly that, of like, you know, they're crazy gay people and they're all going to die from, you know, AIDS and they all are horrible and they're just terrible people. And I'm going to be frank with you. That's really, and I bought into that. No, and line and thinker. But I think that makes your story all the more interesting. Is that... Or scary. Here, here, you, here you are 20, 30 years later yeah. doing what you do. We'll yeah, I don't know it, that judgment is necessarily a natural part of the human condition, but I was brought up with it from an early age. Being on Indian land, Indians don't like you. Um, Being judged yourself. Yeah, so I think that, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, was later in life that I was able to kind of, um, you know, break that cycle, uh, definitely, I think. Did you grow up religious at all? No, I grew up pagan. I grew up on Indian land, so, you know, we slaughtered animals and had to tell them the secret of reincarnation before they came back and before we slaughtered them. And um, we, yeah, we... Very pagan. <laughs> Very pagan. But did you? So did. But did you grow up with a belief system, or was this kind? Of, was fundamentalist Christian kind of your first? My first, yeah, my first foray in into Orthodox religion. Right. So when I left, you know, I was at the age of fifteen. It was really startling to come from Indian land to the real world. Um, super startling because it was very. Um, all the things that I thought I knew no longer had merit in the real world. Um, things that had given me comfort as a child were no longer valid here. And I, you know, um, and it was just a really, uh, you know, the Native Americans, the Indians say that white people have a death culture. And, it, and that was really, um, really, I, I really, I see that still. And I understood that really hit me in the face at 15. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't know that you had to be afraid of so many things. And I remember like mostly like animals because those were my best friends when I was a kid. And also the totem pole. So the totem pole, in, you know, in the Indian manner is a story. It tells mm-hmm. a story. And all those characters on the totem pole are revered for whatever, you know, traits they bring. So you get out here and it's all of a sudden like these things that had brought comfort to me were no longer like they were, you know, maybe evil. Like the snake, the serpent is very big on Indian tradition. But you come out, you know, into the real world, and all of a sudden, it's this very scary, Scares. horrible thing. Yeah. And a lot, I had a lot of that. So, um, yeah, so I had a lot of just confusion, and I just wanted to be accepted. I think every young person wants to be accepted. Sure. No matter what. Sure, sure. And, uh, and I certainly did, so. And I found it with fundamentalism. That was author Heather Jacks. Check back Thursday for part two. 
when Heather will talk about the inspiration for her book about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on everything we do. All past episodes are up on our website, storiedsf.com, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts and you have a minute to spare, please rate and review the show for us. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.